It's animation celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. Charmeleon. Wartortle. Mewtwo Tentacruel Micah Matsy. I'm a stage two and I've got high defense and high special defense. I'm kind of a low mid tier, even though one of my types is ice. Oh, I'm Micah, by the way. <laughs> I'm Matsy and I have all the IPs. This is Animation Celery, and this is a show where we give each other cartoons to watch and come back and review. Although this time we gave ourselves the same thing to watch, which is a movie. And that movie is called Cats Don't Dance from 1997. We gonna talk about that little layer, but first, the talk to Micah. What do you want, Micah? Okay, well, first of all, I watched, I guess it's the current season, the 33rd season of The Simpsons. I watched two episodes of that. This is how this podcast started. It is, isn't it? Uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm as negative as you on them. Uh, the first one uh, had Marge uh, reprising her role as the stage manager of a uh, local production, a theater production about Y2K. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's funky. As she gets excited about uh, doing it again, she has, um, who is it, Kristen Bell subbing in as her singing voice. Okay. And and the the crux of the plot is that even though she's excited to do it, once they get all the uh, actors back together, she realizes they have their own little clique and that she's not at all popular with them. <laughs> and that makes her makes her look back and realize that she wasn't popular in high school either. Oh, boy. Yeah, it was pretty funny, though. Um, and it doesn't really fit in continuity because you would think that she would have exercised these demons when she starred in streetcar you well i mean what is continuity in the simpsons i think the current canon is that like marge and homer you know met or were dating or something when homer was in a grunge band in 1991 oh yes three years after the simpsons started right and then in this instance they're in high school and doing a musical about the Y2K event. So <laughs> it keeps moving Oh, forward. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Man. So now they're flashing back to points after The Simpsons was at its peak. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty good. The, uh, the other one I watched was one about Grandpa being scammed on the telephone. Okay. <laughs> Where the scammer pretends to be Bart. It's just it's just kind of like a female voice, and he goes, "What, Bart?" He's like, "Yeah, that's all right, I'm Bart." And he they pretend he's in jail, and they need money to bail him out. That's pretty good too. Uh, one thing that I did take note of in the episodes, though, uh, is Doctor Hibbert's different voice. Oh yes, yeah. I figured it out afterwards. Like it was just kind of, I maybe even question if it was Doctor Hibbert. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird thing. I've this is something, you know, this came after the Black Lives Matter thing when the Simpsons decided that they weren't going to have any characters voiced by uh, a 
someone of a race other than their own. You know, they basically they the the core cast of that show is all white. And so they decided that all the white people were not going to voice black people anymore. I they thought were only the, gonna... Yeah, I thought the thrust of this criticism was uh, Apu. Uh, that started it. Yeah. Um, and then but so they were like, OK, well, he's kind of an offensive stereotype. Let's not do that anymore. But then it just became blanket. Not that, you know, Dr. Hibbert was an offensive stereotype. They just decided we're not going to let white people do black people voices anymore. We're going to get black people to do it. And my initial reaction to that was, well, when they're writing, you know, incidental characters, like a guy in the crowd who just yells out like this enormous woman will devour us all. Yeah. Like they don't put that in the script like, oh, and this one's going to be Dan Castellaneta. It's kind of like, OK, we have an incidental person who wants to do the voice. And by making sure that those incidental voices that the cast members do have to be white, that means that they're just cutting out any incidental black characters. You know, any random guy in the crowd who has a line now either has to be white or they have to bring in a black actor specifically just to say, you know, hey, what's going on or whatever. <laughs> Uh, maybe they'll just double up. Like yeah. if if they have Carl's actor on, they'll have him do a line too for <laughs> for for the crowd shot. But maybe they should just end the damn show. Well, probably yeah. I I'm very indifferent to the whole concept. Like I I, th I think as far as voice work goes, that's the one instance where you could just be any race and play anyone. But yeah, I. I don't think the new voice is as good as Harry Shearer doing it, but mm -hmm. then again, he wasn't very prominent in the episode, so. Yeah. Um, but overall, I had a pretty good time watching those episodes. It's just, like you say, even if it's good, it's kind of like 33 years is probably enough. Yeah, it's like even a good episode mm. is like, oh, that was not terrible. <laughs> and, you know, you can sit and enjoy yourself. But the thing is, like, those seasons from, like, three to nine yeah. were flawless. Like, hmm. there's a reason that people still quote those episodes today. And nobody could even, nobody would even know. Like, the, I think the only people, like, think think about a, a recent episode. I mean, not super duper recent, but, you know, within the last 20 years. Like, how many people even know that there was an episode that they had Lady Gaga in it? Hmm. I think actually maybe a few people do because that's supposed to be one of the worst episodes ever. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I actually saw a video on YouTube. Somebody had t it was a long video. It was like four hours long or something. I didn't watch all of it, but he basically went through every season of The Simpsons and ranked the episodes in those seasons. Oh, yeah, I know. And then yeah. And then in the end, ranked every episode of The, si of the Simpsons from worst to best. Um, the best, in his opinion, was Homer's Enemy. Interesting. The worst was called, I think, Love is a Many Strangled Thing. Which, which I one? think I might watch and report back on. Which one's that? I don't know. It's huh. something about, like, I don't know. I told my sister this and she went on her phone and looked it up and she didn't tell me, but she kind of went, ooh. Yeah, no, just reading this synopsis, I see how this is a problem. 
Mm-hmm. I think it might have something to do with Homer going to therapy to stop himself from strangling Bart all the time. Oh, okay. I, I have seen that episode. I didn't think it was the worst episode ever. Yeah. Huh. Oh, well. Uh, anyway, the other thing that I did is I finished season one of DuckTales. Hey! Yeah, this is a good time. Yeah. Um, now, we mentioned before that DuckTales has plenty of Disney afternoon callbacks. And, of course, I saw a bunch of them. Yeah, I think it really picked up in the second season. Well, they're certainly present in the first. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about some discrepancies in them. Like, uh, there's one that uh, has a spy who's trying to recreate the gummy bear uh, juice formula. Yeah. And... One thing, a couple things are interesting in there. For one, they have all the correct berries, but they don't have the whack of the ladle against the cauldron, which I thought was necessary, but I guess there was no clean way to add that in. Hmm. But the other thing I thought was very interesting was the gummy berry juice makes the duck characters bounce. Right. Yeah. Uh, but they make humans super strong. So. Right. Yeah. It, but. If gummy bears met a bunch of humanoid waterfowl, I guess it's way less different than gummy bears meeting humans. Like maybe, maybe it's correct to say that humanoid ducks are adjacent to humanoid bears. Well, mm, so that's what I figure, I guess, on that. I, I mean, you could go into depth and say, well, bears and humans are both mammals. Ducks are oh, totally yeah. different. I guess but. so. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And w- I guess one other weird thing, I guess for n- nitpicking, the power up sound effect for the juice was the same one as the old one, but the power down sound effect was different. Kind of weird. Oh, um, boo. <laughs> yeah, ruined. <laughs> um, and I've, I saw the episode where they meet the Iron Vulture and Don Carnage. Um, oh, right. Yep. Now, it's kind of funny. They have a song that names every member of the Air Pirates. Mm-hmm. But they didn't include any of the original Air Pirates. I don't know. I, I think. Mean, yeah. I I haven't seen it, but I'm under the impression that there is an episode later mm-hmm. that kind of. Tailspin was set years, bef- you know, like in the well, 30s or yeah. something, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think there's an episode later that kind of implies that time has passed since the events of Tailspin. Oh, so Don Carnage is just somebody who's accepted the mantle of, of the pirate Don Carnage or something, eh? Maybe. I I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to go and uh, watch season two and find the episode that calls back to DuckTales. Okay, well, I've I've, I've made a little list here. Having watched one season, I think I can make a pretty good opinion on whether characters are worse, equal, or better than the right. 87 ones. So sure. I have Scrooge. Scrooge is worse. Hmm. And largely for me is that I think uh, Alan Young is way better than David Tennant. Mm. I think he's got more charm. I think he's got more deviousness. For me... The weird thing with David Tennant was hearing him talk and being like, because I've, I've, you know, obviously I've watched Doctor Who. Yeah. And 
hearing David Tennant, I'm like, oh, pff, look at that stupid, exaggerated Scottish accent he's putting on. Mm. And then I saw an interview with David Tennant just talking. Right. And it's like, oh, wait, no, that's how he sounds. He was putting on an accent when he was playing the doctor. Oh, huh. okay. So okay, so go ahead. I have Donald Duck. Donald Duck, I have his equal. He's, he's Donald Duck, but there's more of him, which I like. And yet still yeah. not enough of him, in my opinion. Hmm. Um, Huey Hubert Duck, better. And actually, <laughs> I can just rail these off. Uh, Dewey Doofer Duck, better. Louie Llewellyn Duck, better. Because they're they have better. any personality at all? Yes. Like in the original, <laughs> uh, they're all basically the same. I remember there's an illusion that at the very least that Huey and Dewey think that Louie is a little dumber than they are. Hmm. And in one episode, Louie, uh, <laughs> I guess he's their, their go-to for individuality. He's a, uh, like a champion marble player. Oh. Yeah. He's uh, I remember the episode where Dewey was all mad that nobody could tell them apart. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, they're a lot better. Actually, I think, uh, Louis my favorite character from Duck, uh, from 2017 DuckTales. He's kind of a highlight, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's such a weird jerk, in a way. Yes, yeah. I know, he's, he, he, he's, he's almost like, you feel like you've seen him before, but, you know, I can't help it. I like, I like him when he's on the screen. He, he's, there's more of that in season two. Mm. Like, I remember, he, there's an episode where he's like, I don't know, he's sitting on the couch, like, eating chips and just watching TV or something, and Scrooge is, like, admonishing him for being lazy, and Louie's reaction is just go, <laughs> classic Louie. Right. I also like that he's able to swim through money. <laughs> <laughs> um, Webigail, better. Yeah. But I will say that when I started it on the show, and, like, there's not much to the original Webigail, right? No. Like, it's okay that she is that way, but, you know, they needed to do a little more with her. Um, yeah. And this one, I felt that they empowered Webby and uh, uh, Beakley to such an extent that it felt uh, kind of trite, you know, mm. to where I was saying, like, oh, come on. And she, oh, she's going to say stuff again. whatever. But she grew on me and... Uh, in a way, she is the de facto main character of 2017 DuckTales, at least the first season. Kind of. I mean, there's there's like the major overarching plot of that season sort of revolves around Webby in a way. It seems to me that more plots are about her than any of the boys. Hmm. And maybe Scrooge, too. Well, she is like... Not to spoil the season for anyone who hasn't seen it, but Magicka Dispel is involved. And Webby is kind of Magicka's gateway to Scrooge. Hmm. So she's important from that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, Launchpad, I put it equal. Yeah. Um, I don't like his new voice as much, so I was inclined to not like him. But okay. he's got lots of really funny jokes. Yeah, he's all right. And I do like that he is Scrooge's chauffeur, so he gets to be around more. Yeah. Um, uh, Bentina Beakley, better. I mean. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, maybe there's not that much to say about that. She's better. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the, the original Beakley was just, you know, she was her <laughs> the most active role she ever played was giving life restoring cakes in the video game. <laughs> I don't like I said, I think in some ways they went too far and that I could. But they didn't like it's OK if if Webby is a uh, like a cloying saccharine kind of character and if Beakley is kind of an overwhelmed matronly character but yeah. put them in more plots you know make them rise to the occasion and they didn't do it that do that very much in the original series so hmm. so she's better here uh, yeah Duckworth I put as equal <laughs> as as a ghost who's barely in the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah fair enough I guess that's fair now it has always bugged me that his name is Duckworth hmm so I've invented my own lore for that. I figure that somewhere in his family line, all of them indentured servants, <laughs> that he had, he had a master who was uh, either senile or cruel and would miscall him Duckworth all the time until it stuck. Okay. Um, Gyro Gearloose, I think better. I like him as a jerk in this. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good uh, vo- who. What's the guy's name? I can never remember his name. Fenton Crackshell. No, um, the oh. the voice actor for Gyro, uh, Jim Rash, is it? I'll have them both open up in case I needed to compare. Uh, blah blah. blah. <laughs> Wouldn't you know they don't list him? Hmm. It's something Rash. He's also the ghost of the Marquis of Queensbury in, in um, uh, Mike Tyson Mysteries. Oh. I was quite surprised at how many, like, famous comedians were characters on the show. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 John Hodgman, best mm. known for the podcast, uh, Judge John Hodgman. He's, um, he's in there somewhere. He was, he was like the, somebody involved in the episode with Goldie. I can't remember. Mm. Well, like, the, the boys, I was surprised. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, got like Danny Pudi, uh, Ben Schwartz, and Bobby Moynihan. Yeah, they all sound so similar, but different enough that you can identify them. Mm. And I think that's pretty genius. That's well done. Yeah. Paul F. Tompkins was um, uh, Gladstone Gander. Hmm. So moving on, I got Fenton Crackshell as worse. Um, hmm. And I appreciate they got to do something different. They can't tell the same jokes over again. Yeah. But I always thought it was pretty clever that he was an accountant for Scrooge because uh, of his unique talent to literally count things as he sees them and thus be able to count his tremendous liquid assets. Right. And I liked his mother and they lived that they lived in a uh, mobile home. Yeah. Even that they repeated the joke from uh, the movie The Jerk where he got rich, so their mobile home just got bigger. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I remember... Um... The podcast, my brother, my brother and me, mm-hmm. uh, those three McElroy brothers happened to be friends with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. And when they heard that they were rebooting DuckTales, they were kind of like fantasy casting it. OK. And they said at some point, "Ooh, Lin should be Fenton Crackshell. He should be uh, Gizmo Duck. And then after that episode came out, Lin messed them like, who told you? <laughs> and they were like, what? And he's like, oh, I mean, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have Doofus as better. Yeah. 
You know, I, I like the original Doofus, and I like that he's got a special relationship with Launchpad, which has been replaced with Dewey in this one. Yeah. But, uh, um, no, he's funny in, in the reboot. He's so... Oh, man. Doofus is the strangest character, and I love it. Yeah. Um, I have Glittering Goldial Guilt as equal. I like the old one. This new one's fine. Hmm. Uh, I have the Beagle Boys and Ma Beagle as worse in the new one. I don't even remember them. In the old one, you mean? Well, in the new one. Like, I... Oh, right. I, I remember them being involved. I remember the last episode. I think it was the last episode... Something in a, like a baseball field or something. I don't remember, well, but like they're so unmemorable. Well, part of that is my general problem with the reboot that there's no uh, even semblance of danger. So mm. the Beagle Boys are even less offensive, you know, they're <laughs> just kind of whatevers. And I don't really dislike the new design for Mob Beagle. I just really like the old one. And it's June Foray as well. So, well, yeah. Um, Flintheart Guangle, I put as equal. I like his new design, uh, but again, I don't like that he's just sort of a buffoon who's not any real threat. Um, and I like the old voice, too. So it all kind of just equals out. Revisit him once you see the episode in season two that explains his backstory. Okay. Because I wonder if you know more about him, I wonder if it would change your opinion at all. Mm. Okay, we'll see. I'll, I'll keep going on it. His, his Carl yeah. Barks design is pretty funny, actually. I was, I was looking for comparisons. Um, Magicka Dispel. I put her at equal. Now, <laughs> one thing I think is kind of funny, going back to Carl Barks, the uh, the comicer who made those Scrooge comics back in the day. Yeah. Is that he felt that he wanted to inject Magicka in there to really sex up the comic. <laughs> and keep in mind that the his design for Magica is pretty much like the 87 DuckTales. So <laughs> she's got Daisy Duck slash Donald Duck slash Scrooge's body type, right? <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> but supposedly he based her on Gina Lola Bridget or, or uh, Sophia Loren. <laughs> I just think it's... But, you know, I guess if he's that dedicated to the Duck families, I guess he would find Daisy Duck a little sexy, you know? <laughs> um, I like that Magic of Dispel is voiced by Catherine Tate Oh yes, for a fun little in-joke Yeah And she's British now Or before she was uh, Italian However, I didn't know that Because June Foray just made her Potsylvanian But <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah my last one here is Bubba with just a series of question marks because I don't know if Bubba will be part of the show. My inclination is that you, you remember Bubba the cave duck? Mm-hmm. That if he ever appears in the show, he'll just be like uh, a anthropology exhibit about Neolithic ducks or something. <laughs> I, think there, I think there literally is like a cave duck skeleton at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I have a funny thing about this. Um, so do you remember that when they premiered Bubba's appearance in DuckTales, they put it in prime time? Yep. So I like threw a fit. Like there was something I had to do, some family thing or church thing. That I, <laughs> I, I did not want to do anyways. Right. Right. But now it also conflicted with an epochal event in our <laughs> lives. <laughs> <laughs> And boy, did I have egg on my face because it was so bad. 
like that very quickly went into that bit where uh, <laughs> all the Rusi duck nephews were singing like Baba, Baba, three cheers for Baba Duck. <laughs> it was so crummy. <laughs> oh man, I think the Bubba and um, what's the superhero's name? I said it Giz- a few Gizmo minutes duck. ago. Gizmo Duck. Yeah. yeah, I think the Bubba and Gizmo Duck episodes are now season two of that original DuckTales. Yeah, it's weird because they made a late Gizmo Duck episode after having made a, or rather, they made a late Bubba episode after making a bunch of Gizmo Duck ones. Whereas it just felt like he was gone, which he kind of <laughs> yeah. was. Mm. Um, anyway, that's that's my DuckTales stuff. And I've, I've already made this a DuckTales episode. Uh, what's, what's been going on with you, uh, Matsy? Not much. I've been, my work schedule has been floating around so much that I don't even know what I've been doing. Uh, But I guess the main thing that I have that I can talk about is the update to Animal Crossing New Horizons. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Started playing some of that. Started uh, growing some crops. Leaf sold (laughs) me some potatoes. I went on a Cap'n Island and found an island that was covered in uh, wheat. Mm -hmm. And then I found another one with a bunch of carrots. I've got recipes, but I I have all these recipes for stuff, but I can hardly make any of it because I don't have sugar. Oh. Like I've got, I need to find some sugar cane because I've got a recipe for brown sugar cupcakes and for cookies and pancakes and all this delicious looking stuff. And I have no sugar. <laughs> um, I also have been playing around with the DLC uh, Happy Home Paradise. Which involves making vacation homes for different animals. Um, I did to I did the tutorial one Eloise, which apparently everybody gets unless you have Eloise in your town. Mm. And then I've got I made a um, uh, what did she want? Some place for pecan. I can't remember what theme she was looking for, but I made a, a home for pecan. And then I. Cherry, the dog, I I gave her a box of chocolates and invited her to the island and made her a a house. She wanted a runway that she could put on fashion shows in, which is weird for Cherry. Doesn't really fit her personality, but hey, Mm. I did that up, put some put in some club flooring and walls with like disco ball lights all over them and bubble shooters and a red carpet and stuff. She's got Uh, layers. She's not one. She's not a one dimensional dog. Yeah. And then and, there was... Hmm? Oh, I'm looking at her design. I kind of like her. Oh, she, she's my favorite. I was, you know, when the game first... When I, when the game was first coming out, I was like, man, I would love to get Cherry in my town. She's all always awesome. Mm. And she was one of my starting two. I was so happy. I was like, yeah, I got Cherry right away. Awesome. Mm. And she's been there ever since. Cool, cool. Uh, and then I made a I made a spa for Pango. And that yeah, was fun. And then let's see, what's the, the last one I did was uh, Gloria, the duck. And she wanted a stylish yet functional house, mm-hmm. which is kind of an awkward uh, request. But I think it's designed so that the animals are never really upset with what you make for them. <laughs> okay. It's like the way it works is they have. They give you a theme and three pieces of furniture that you have to include. Okay. 
And I kind of think that as long as you include those three, you can more or less do whatever. Like, I don't know, maybe there are other pieces of furniture that if you try putting them in there, or if you put them in there, they kind of give negative points or something. I don't know how it works, but it, they always seem happy with whatever I make, so... Great. Um, also, oh. I, I got... I pre-ordered two packs of the Series 5 Amiibo uh, cards, mm-hmm. and for some reason they sent me three packs... Which, hooray. Okay. And I got some chase cards, sort of. Yes. I got Raymond, who everybody loves. Uh, I got Sasha, the rabbit who's sweeping the internet right now. Does she have a sex video? He does not. Yeah. It's, it was the... Sasha was one of the new villagers that was shown off in the trailer and everyone was like, oh, who's that bunny? She's so cute. And then it showed the cards like, oh, her name is Sasha. Oh, Sasha. And then uh, they added these characters to the mobile game Animal Crossing Mm. Pocket Camp. And suddenly everyone went, oh, wait, Sasha's a lazy type. Sasha's a boy. You know, it's funny. I, I should assume a boy because I know way more male Sasha's in life than I do female. Yeah, true. And it's it's it is a unisex name. It's just that if you look at the character's design, like it's just so feminine. Kind of looks like he's wearing a really short skirt. Kinda. It's a it's like a a letter jacket, like from a college yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got I got the Flick amiibo. Flick is one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. And so I can invite him for coffee, which is cool. He brings his roommate CJ with him. Meh. Um, the one that I didn't get that I kind of wanted was the other uh, character that's kind of captured the Internet's attention, which is Petrie. Mm-hmm. Petrie's a mouse with um, a lab coat and one ear is blue and the other is red, like 3D glasses. OK. And uh, this was another character that kind of shocked with the gender because it's female. Oh. She is the snooty type. Hmm. I really want to see Petrie, but unfortunately that is an amiibo that I did not get. I can't make sense of the artwork for Petrie. It's got huh. kind of like black squiggly things in hand. I don't know what those are. Um, oh, it's a book. The spine of a book is what I'm looking at for the squiggly. Ah, okay. And the other thing, sure. I don't know. Oh, it's his tail, maybe? Hmm. Her tail. Sorry, her tail, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is like a piece of lore that I'm not <laughs> not that indoctrinated in. Well, I know, like, on the surface, and I've been around people who play the game, but, yeah. Huh. Well, yeah, I mean, nobody, you know, there's, there's like 497, no, there was 497 villagers, and then they added like six more in the new or eight more rather in the new game. And Mm. so every, it was easy for everyone to go, you know, people who've been playing animal crossing for years and years have relationships with these animals and they remember them Mm. like, Oh, cherry and cube and whatnot. Um, And so it was kind of a, and there's like, here's eight new ones. And they were all pretty cool to some extent. And now they've added a whole bunch of new, new ones. 
And so it's kind of captured people's imaginations, like the fact that, you know, after all these years, there are now brand new animals in Animal Crossing and they have interesting things about them. Like, you know, Sasha is a boy and the lab rat is a girl or and. Mm. Um, yeah, there's I also got the cute deer Shino. She's neat, too. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, Animal Crossing is happening. I need to play that tonight. Actually, I'm a couple days behind. Uh, okay. But yeah, not a lot of cartoons. I'll have to f- I'll have to find something to watch and report back on it. Maybe I'll. What was that thing that I said that I was going to watch like minutes ago? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that Simpsons episode. The, right. The strangled episode. Yeah. Right, right. I'll and- check back on that. You know, also, we have a cartoon to talk about that's full of animals. Hey, that's right. We do. Yes. So, as you mentioned earlier, we're looking at Cats Don't Dance, directed by Mark Dindell in 1997. So, this story, it's in 1939, and Danny, an orange tabby cat from Kokomo, Indiana, embarks on a bus to California to live out his Hollywood dreams. He arrives and meets a penguin ice deliverer and sings and dances to glorify the town. Hmm. Then, at the talent agency, he meets other animals in showbiz that include Tilly, a hippo, Cranston, an old goat, Francis, an old fish starlet, and T.W., a tortoise. The talent agent, by the way, who is played by Frank Welker, because (laughs) this is animation celery, and Frank Welker is a prerequisite. Yeah, but voicing everyone, ex- voicing not the animals. True, true that. <laughs> um, so he immediately assigns Danny to be a background animal in a movie about Noah's Ark. Then cat receptionist Sawyer arrives to work, worn and ragged because of inconveniences incurred from Danny's earlier musical number. Already off on the wrong foot with Danny. Her luck gets worse when her boss sends her to work on the movie as well as the other cat on the ark. This movie stars Darla Dimple, a Shirley Temple-like little girl star. All the other animals from the talent agency are there, as is Pudge the Penguin. Another animal, Wooly, is an elephant who records the opening logo for every movie by Mammoth Studios as an allusion to the roaring MGM lion. <laughs> they uh, are making this movie in sequence, including the uh, opening logo, which I think is pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. Yeah. So it starts with an elaborate musical number with Darla singing about the Old Testament flood. All the animals merely have one word lines to make their characteristic animal noises. But Danny can't help but freestyle and embellish his role. This makes Darla throw a fit and summon her giant, intimidating manservant, Max. He bursts through the wall to punish Danny and put him in his place. But this isn't just an Animals Can't Star thing. Danny is way, way in the wrong here. (laughs) Yeah. He's barely better than an extra, and he's, like, leaning into every shot, like, meow, 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 meow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of a classic thing in cartoons, you know? You got the guy who wants to be the star, he gets a bit part, and then starts embellishing it, and they have to 
rein him in. Hmm. So later on, Sawyer tells Danny straight that animals don't have a chance to star in Hollywood. Pudge consoles Danny, and that evolves to the cat giving the penguin tap dance lessons. They overhear spirited piano play and track it to Wooly the Elephant's trailer. Their new friend tells his story of crushed Hollywood dreams, and he further reveals that Sawyer, too, long ago gave up on ambitions of stardom. Innocent, energetic Danny decides to rouse all the animals and make some music so that they can believe in themselves. <laughs> Sawyer accidentally happens on the party and is infected with the rhythm, so she dances with Danny. In high spirits, the Catman opines about auditioning for L.B. Mammoth, the head of the studio. Meanwhile, Darla watches from the darkness and decides to set the animals up for failure. And I'll say now, this movie is way, way better when Darla and Max are in the scenes, don't you think? I... I don't like Darla's character design very much, but I really oh. like the way she moves. I really like her voice and I like everything about Max. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, earlier when Max makes his entrance into the studio, <laughs> he, like, he bursts through the wall. And there's a lot of great animation to uh, give the sense of his tremendous size. Like there's a tilt up and you've got to draw that really funny to yeah. tilt up from looking at his feet then to looking from a bird's eye up to his uh to his face. Yeah. I and, liked Yeah. I liked as he's stalking forward, he's doing that classic Looney Tunes. I I forgot, you know, this is a Warner Brothers movie. Yeah. And yeah. I kind of forgot, oh, Warner Brothers means Looney Tunes until you see certain things like that where He's that he's walking. He's like leaning forward, like at an angle and his his feet just like plant behind him as he goes. It's hard to describe. But, you know, if you've seen a Looney Tunes, you know, like a like, Any tough guy who puts his dirty yes. forward on his head and is like, yes, trudge, trudge. yeah, exactly. It, what a great reveal, too, because they show his broken silhouette in the wall and then yeah. it goes over to his feet like that. <laughs> um, and then I know, like when he I like when he leaves. Yes. Like, yes. It blocks out the light. And yes. then he's gone. <laughs> I it's, I was expecting something, right? And I thought, like, what's going to happen here? Is the wall going to reassemble or something? And then there's the, like, flash of light, like, <laughs> like something supernatural happens as he leaves. Well, I just it love, like, I don't know that I've ever seen that before, where somebody goes through the them-shaped hole they put in the wall, and yeah. it blocks out the light from, from outside. Yeah. Like, it's tremendous. Max is great. He is, he is. Um, so where was I here? Um, um, so oh, Darla, Darla, yeah, she's, she deals with Danny to get all the animals on set for their own musical number, but rather than performing for LB Mammoth, they'll in fact be causing a ruckus during his press conference. Darla and Max further sabotage the production to cause a flood that unleashes onto the press conference. The destruction and embarrassment makes the studio head fire all of the animals. So while these veteran stage animals commiserate, Sawyer laments alone for Danny. And Danny, he packs his bags and sets to return to Kokomo in disgrace. 
but he doesn't even make it out of town before refinding his, his determination to help his fellows. <laughs> he breaks into the studio and doctors the guest list to the Little Archangel premiere to include the animals, at least all of the named character animals. Yeah. So while the movie plays, Danny and Pudge set up musical instruments in order to invite all their friends down and perform in front of LB and all of the Hollywood glitterati. The only problem is that Max alertly goes backstage to ruin it all. It's a giant mano e conflict that leads to the roof to the, of the theater and even onto a promotional hot air Darla balloon. Will Danny survive to prove to everyone that cats do dance? And if I skip to the end here, the uh, you get some credit cookies at the end that include movie posters for Warner Brothers properties, except they star these animals. Yeah, which, they didn't even change the name into puns. No. Well, it, they did Free Tilly, I guess, was one. Well, yeah. Um, but it's, it's like straight up, it's like The Mask and Casablanca. Actually, when it, you know, it was all these classic movies like Casablanca, Gone with the Wind and stuff. And then it gets to The Mask. And I kind of went, <laughs> OK. Yeah. Yeah. Some really not so classics that were just out at the time, like Twister. You the know, Witches of Eastwick. Eastwick. Yes. Good, <laughs> a good, good movie. But like, <laughs> I kind of want to see the uh, Beetlejuice movie that has, <laughs> that has Danny and Sawyer in it. <laughs> but. I really, it, kids wouldn't know what they were, but they should have kept it in the time period. Mm. So most of those movies make no sense. Yeah. And you can kind of see it. I mean, we've talked about on, on Animation Cellar, we've talked about um, the Warnerverse, this thing they try to do in, uh, excuse me, in uh, Space Jam 2 and uh, Ready Player One. Yeah. It's kind of here too. And it's kind of always been when you think about it. You know how like Tiny Toon Adventures would have uh, whatever movie properties that Warner Brothers was doing at the time? Yeah, I remember an Animaniacs cartoon. Do you remember there was a Looney Tunes cartoon that was like in a bookstore or library and it had mm. all the or maybe it was the maybe it was a museum with paintings, but it was like the characters from the books or paintings or whatever. Maybe there was both, actually, mm. um, would like come to life and do things while the place was closed. And huh. there, there was an Animaniacs cartoon that was that same concept, but in a video store where, Oh, I like, know. I, yeah, I can think of it. Yeah. Yeah. The Warners were from like a, a VHS of Animaniacs. And then they were dealing with like, I think they were, I think they were trying to deal with the, the, um, the Tyrannosaurus from Jurassic park. Hmm. Actually, yeah. while we talk about these kind of derivative things, do you get the impression that this movie has its roots and just kind of like, you know, who framed Roger Rabbit? What if? And then it kind of just morphed into something that is a little bit different. I can easily imagine this movie as being like, hey, tunes only appear seven minutes before the feature. They don't appear in the feature. Kind of. I was I was sort of <laughs> I kind of found myself thinking, like, what is the greater message in this movie? Is it about racism? Is it about? Oh, like, I know. I know. It doesn't, it doesn't really work. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't really work in terms of like thinking about what race these animals are supposed to be. Yeah. Furthermore, it's a little funky 
because these animals are people. They have jobs like secretary and cab driver. Yeah. And they have money. And maybe not at Mammoth Studios, but surely some movies are made that star animals. Because there's a market for it. I mean, yeah. I mean, just just Danny's friends in Kokomo are like 10 animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. It's a weird universe to make sense of. Yeah, and I can't I can't make an allegory for who they are exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah, me neither. You know, you know what's kind of funny is except for Sawyer saying it and I guess their practical experience, I never really get the impression that people are prejudiced against animals at all. Not really, no. It's just, I don't know. I wonder if it's like specifically this uh, studio is you know, totally hitched onto the Darla Dimple gravy train. Maybe also that's that's it. <laughs> that's why it works so well for them is the world was ready for <laughs> animal movie stars. Yeah, actually, yeah, maybe I put it a little further because they just interact as normal, right? Like, uh, yeah, that bus driver is. Making small talk. Uh, humans just seem to relate to animals as normal. Like when Danny gets on the bus, that bus driver is just making small talk with him. Yeah. Although his small talk is all about animals knowing their place. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. That's true. Species tensions are high, I guess. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Actually, it made me even go further, like in this vaguely defined world. You mm -hmm. remember all that anti-gay marriage political banter where they'd say, like, what's next? Can you marry your dog? Yeah. In this world, I think you can. <laughs> or you should be able to. He's totally sentient. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And uh, let me tell you, if I went to that talent agency, I'd probably flirt with uh, Sawyer. But <laughs> Sawyer. Sawyer's got a nice design. And also, you know, this is a thing that I don't think I appreciate or I, I don't get the chance to express my appreciation for very much because it doesn't happen very much. Yeah. But I like it when particularly a female character has a name that is a little bit unusual. Right. Like Sawyer is a great example. Another one is, and any young celery stalkers leave the room, uh, Fritz the cat. In in Fritz the Cat, his uh, sort of kind of girlfriend at one point in that movie is named Winston Schwartz. Yeah. And I love the idea of a female character named Winston. Yeah, it just sounds cool. Like, I, I like that when there's when it's just. Sawyer, OK, you say that I don't think enough people saw this movie. That you can consider Sawyer to be a uh, furry icon? No. But, but that name is enough that any old furries know who she is. <laughs> I guess. Um, I have seen GIFs of, I mean, well, I'm making it sound dirty now, but I mean, <laughs> I've I've seen GIFs of just the, there was one particular scene where Sawyer is saying like, why do you want to make a fool of yourself or something? And just <clears throat> that gif of that animation popped up on like Tumblr or something. And it wasn't out of any kind of dirty reasoning. It was like, look at this animation. This movie's so underrated. You know, and I, I just, like her. I like her in her long skirt. Or is like, it pants? Um, I guess it depends. Yeah. 
Um, and I like uh, the various times where she looks sour because something bad has happened to her or yeah. frazzled, you know, like when she when she uh, her fur spikes like a cat who's startled. Yeah, she literally is. There's part. Where, yeah. When she like falls down a fire escape and gets to the bottom and she's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Danny's design is good, too. Uh, it's so classic cartoon, though, that I think if you were to open Preston Blair's book on animation, it would not surprise me to see Danny in it. I got a little tired of how, like, I like, like, stretchy plastic style animation. I really like uh, Oliver and Company because of the way that okay. certain characters, like, what's the poodle's name in that? I've never Georgette. watched it. Georgette. Georgette. Okay. Yeah. You haven't seen Oliver and Company? Nope. Huh. We should watch that sometime. Yeah, okay. Um. Anyway, I like that kind of plastic, elastic kind of animation style. For yeah. me, Danny was a little bit too far. Like, his... You know, his waist is like as big around as his arm. I don't mind that, but I don't know. Actually, he and uh, Sawyer have kind of a incredible Hulk, She-Hulk thing going on. (laughs) He's got long arms and she's got long legs. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But I'll carry this forward. Be talking about his elastic animation Mm -hmm. that uh, famous dancer Gene Kelly was a consultant on this movie. Yes. uh, For the dancing. But. The dancing is really hit or miss in this. And I think that uh, Danny's dancing, some of it's pretty good, but a lot of it is just him flapping his feet like mad, which, you know, doesn't doesn't really look like anything except, you know, it doesn't look like dancing. I thought dancing was going to be a bigger part of a movie called, well, now that I'm saying it out loud, maybe I shouldn't have, but like, I thought dancing was going to be a bigger deal in this movie. And Danny's dancing... Like you said, his dancing, like there was a part where he's like, he dance, well, he dances in quotes up a ladder, which is to say that there's like a split second of him, like windmilling his feet and being like whoop, up to the top. And then he's like dancing on his fingertips. Yeah. And I'm well, like, it's like, it's like somebody would just freak out holding a string. His legs are just. Yeah. I'm thinking like, how did Gene Kelly consult on this cat dancing on his fingertips. Well, later on, well, uh, I, I don't mind some of it, like where he's just scooting along on his tail. That's yeah. kind of cute. But yeah. uh, later on, when he has to dance with Sawyer, like at the, the, the climax of the movie, yeah, his, st- his steps are more precise because I guess they've modeled mm. after. But even like when he's not turning into crazy legs, when he's demonstrating tap dancing to Pudge, I thought like, oh, something's wrong here. And it's, that he is always cartoony and flying all over the place that his tap dancing looks pretty weird when they really ground it. It needs to have like some animation uh, embellishment to it to give it weight and impact. Right. Because some parts like that were honestly a little boring. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, look at the way uh, that Sawyer dances her dancing is a lot of like dramatic poses mm-hmm. and she speeds to them faster than any real person could do, but then holds them longer than any real person could do. And it's really striking and neat. Yeah. I like watching her dance. Yeah. Um, Danny in general is so frenetic. Like I, you know, 
the beginning of this movie, so much was happening. Like, I think it was the moment there was a moment where um, uh, the agent played by Frank Welker is getting mm-hmm. uh, Danny to sign some forms. And it's yeah. just like flipping through this like notepad, like constantly sign here, 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 here. And yeah. that was the point where I went, you know, this movie is like 10 minutes old and it has just been it has been mile a minute like just it does not stop to breathe it kind of oh, turned yeah. me off a little bit like the beginning it it calms down eventually with but, like hollywood jokes and you know and and various like uh characters interacting that you know have like yeah one gag two gag three gag right and they're just moving um, like constant motion like zipping and zooming around and just nothing ever stops and like I said, it calms down a little later once it gets into some plot, but the opening portion of it is just zoom, 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 zoom. Let me tell you, I, I often watch these, whatever we have on uh, our assignments, I often watch them twice. Yeah. One to just watch without having to worry about uh, taking notes as I go along, right? Right. And then the second time, maybe I'll speed through uh, and, you know, then pick my moments to, you know, to, to bring up in conversation. But in this case... Like you, when I first watched it, I didn't have a very good opinion by the time was it was over. And mm-hmm. like I was thinking like, oh, the dancing was no good. The songs were bad. Yeah. And I kind of thought, well, you know what? I'm going to give this another go through. And I'm going to go through with the mindset, okay, that the beginning really assaults you, right? <laughs> yeah. It, it makes a bad first impression. But also, I'll say uh, Scott Bakula as Danny, he's all right but that's not good. Huh. Yeah. Like they really needed somebody who would charm the heck out of you. Like, yeah. he, he vacillates between, oh gosh, shock some naive country boy. And, and also like, Hey, I'm a pretty sly cat with all the moves. Right. Yeah. And I just don't think that he's up to the challenge. I think that his design outpaces his voice acting. Yeah. Um, he's, oh. he, hmm? And at the very least, he should have had a, a stand-in singer like uh, most of the characters do in this. I thought he sang okay. Well, exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, he's not charming you by any means, right? No. I, yeah, I, I'm kind of like you. I sort of watched it thinking like, yeah, I mean, this movie was a bomb. Oh, um, Yes. It um, and I can kind of sort of understand it. Also, this was the period where like this is like the end of cell animation in the movies. Like this is hmm. post Toy Story. This is just where this this um, movie for some background on it. It was kind of in a bit of production hell for a while. It like they oh, terrible. Originally, it was going to be they, were, they started working on it in 1993 as a Michael Jackson vehicle. Hmm. Um. And no, and it get kept getting changed around. Like they kept changing the setting of it. Um, yeah. And it was Turner animation yeah. that then got uh, consolidated with Warner Brothers. And mm-hmm. every every new money man had demands on the movie. It's, so, yeah, it was kind of a, you know, hammered out of production hell thing that finally got released at a point where this kind of movie was no longer in vogue. Well, and, and also, also from minor studios never was in vogue. Like minor studios 
always put out flops. Yeah, true. They're never promoted that well, you know. And I, I kind of was thinking, like, sympathetically for uh, the director, Dindle, that, like, oh, God, this must be terrible to be working on this movie that you can tell is just going to be, it's you know, nobody's going to see it. Yeah. It, it's it's just going to get worse and worse with more problems. But then I thought about it again, like, working in animation, it's sort of like your worst day working animation is better than the best day of uh, <laughs> receiving boxes or working a retail counter, right? Yeah. So the fun uh, thing about Mark Dindle himself is that he he did the voice of Max. Yes. And he was not intended to. He they were recorded as like like a almost like a test. Yeah. Like he he recorded those lines just as something they could animate with the thinking, "Oh, we'll get somebody a celebrity later." And then the money ran out. And like, yeah. okay, guess we'll just use that. He's um, good though. He, like I said, I love Max. Max is like, Max is probably the best character in this movie. I like that he's not just a grunting uh, uh, simpleton. Yeah, yeah. Um, can we talk about some voices? Because oh boy, a, it, this is yeah, this is an interesting this is, cast. This is an impressive cast if you read it out. But they're unrecognizable in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like, remember in The Grinch when I was sure that, well, I wasn't sure because he would have been too young. But uh, I, I felt that everybody was Rene Auberjonois. <laughs> yeah. He's in this be... movie. He's, he's, he's in this movie playing a uh, effeminate uh, caricature. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> made me he, laugh when I saw his if name. You're, if you're looking for him. You'll recognize him, but otherwise you won't. Yeah, really. Uh, Jonathan Rice Davies plays Wooly. Yep. But he's not the Jonathan Rice Davies from Lord of the Rings or Indiana Jones, you know, where he, he, he really rolls his R's and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like playing a different character, so you won't recognize him either. Yeah. I did this recognize the, I did recognize Kathy Najimy as, yes, as Tilly. Yes, she is... Being herself, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the funniest one to me, Don Knotts <laughs> plays <laughs> plays the tortoise. Yeah. And he's like, it's like he looked at this character and thought, this is a character. I'm going to invent a, a cadence and a mannerism for him. Yeah. When it's like the first time in his life that he didn't play Don Knotts. Right? Really? Yeah. He doesn't really sound like Don Knotts. I had to remind myself that he was in this movie. He's so low energy. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. A um, couple other voices that I want to make mention of. Uh, Betty Lou Gerson as Francis yeah. the Fish. This was mm -hmm. apparently her last role. Um, mm. Betty Lou Gerson might not be a name that people recognize, um, but what if I told you she was the voice of Cruella DeVille in 101 Dalmatians? Pretty swank. Yeah. And the other one, now this one just showed up in the additional voices. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's D Bradley Baker. Mm. And that one got my attention because D Bradley Baker is now in everything. D Bradley Baker is now, he's, he's kind of this era's Frank Welker in that he is every animal in every cartoon now. Hey. Like if you, if you listen to, you know, a corrupted gem in Steven universe kind of going, ah, 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 
Like, that's D. Bradley Baker. He's Peppermint Butler in Adventure Time. He's the spider with a top hat in Star vs. the Forces of Evil. Oh, yeah. And, like I said, every animal. And it he was... Has, he has one line in this movie, but... <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, he, I, I, I think he also does some tour guide voices, but he's, oh, okay. he's Kong yeah. the gorilla. But, yeah, it was just really interesting, 1997, to see that name and go, oh, hmm. I know what's going to happen to this guy in the next... 10 to 20 years. He is going to become the new Frank Welker. Well, Frank Welker is just... He arranged the actual Frank Welker. <laughs> Frank Welker is just getting work with old-timey people like Matt Groening, who are like, oh, I'm making this new series for Netflix. What are Tress McNeil, Maurice LaMarche, and Frank Welker doing? Hmm. Um. Uh, yeah. What else? Oh, well... You know, I did say I watched this twice. I liked all the songs and the movie generally better the second time through with, you know, I, I was ready for the shot that I knew that I wouldn't much like Scott Bakula's performance. Mm. And I knew that the beginning would bombard you with nonsense. Yeah. And, you know, there are things, there are moments without Darla and Max that are pretty fun, like uh, where he makes the impromptu music session in the alley. Mm -hmm. And uh, you get to see all the various animals playing on their improvised instruments. The one that made me laugh both times was the anteater who was blowing on all of the uh, all of the bottles. Yeah, he had like a whole crate of empty bottles all blowing in the tops of all of them. Yeah, so funny. <laughs> um, yeah. Now I do like Darla's design. Uh, I like that she when she's. Uh, fake sweet she's kind of uh, she's cute but manic mm -hmm. <laughs> and I like when she's upset or vengeful um, <laughs> I like her incredibly chubby limbs <laughs> yeah there's there's a bit where she's trying to uh, trick Danny and she has a musical number that springs out of nowhere <laughs> yeah. and so she's doing these dances where like she's rolling around on the floor <laughs> and on the just, piano yeah yeah, and she's just so, so chunky. Like, this kid is Thayok. It's so um, weird. I'm trying to think of what it looks <laughs> like. It's like, you just draw, like, two triangles, and that's her legs. Yeah. So I guess she didn't appeal to you, but I liked her a lot. Uh, eh. Actually, yeah, well, okay. She had moments, Ooh. like I said, like, in general, like, that character... I really yeah. liked, like, I really yeah, liked yeah. Darla. I love her voice. Uh, voice actress is someone named Ashley Peldon, who doesn't immediately ring a bell to me. Maybe well, somebody's she, can, hmm? she, she apparently was a kid playing a kid at the time because uh, oh. she's she's been active since. Well, she did a great job then. Yeah, yeah. I guess I have a little bric-a-brac to finish on here. Okay. Uh, LB Mammoth was apparently a parody of Lewis Mayer, mm -hmm. who was one of the founders of Metro Goldwyn Mayer. Okay. I like his design too, actually. Yeah, he's really cool. He's, he's got one of those cartoon, like. He's got a boss. watermelon for a head and such yeah. a wide, sh wide shoulders, wide body generally. And also he's such a boss man where he's like, he's the kind of guy yeah. where everyone will applaud his presence and then he'll like hold up a hand and everyone is instantly silent. <laughs> yes. Like <Yeah>. there's <laughs> little bits of Looney Tunes kind of sneak into this movie here and there. 
Yeah, yeah. I wish there was more of that. Now, I have a joke that I don't understand, and we'll see if you noticed it. Okay. Uh, it's during the big musical number at the end. What's the deal with Cranston the goat shaking salt into Francis's open mouth while they go by in a gondola? I have no idea what that was. Um, hmm. I, hmm. I'm not sure I noticed it. Oh, I wonder if it's not, are you sure it's salt? Maybe it was fish food. Oh, okay. That makes some sense. Goes by so quick. Yeah, yeah. okay. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. <laughs> That's the other thing I'll say. <laughs> Is that the second time watching through it, uh, I was watching like a clandestine stream, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So as I got to the credits, I'm still looking, right? I'm looking, you know, because I want to see all the people and have something to talk about from them. Yeah. And uh, throughout the credits, it kept uh, covering them with ads that have had anime boobs and butts. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we wrap this up? Um, I I always really wanted to see this movie and just never got around to it. Um, yeah. And in retrospect, I don't think I was missing out too much. Like, no. it's nice that I watched it. I'm glad that I saw it. You know, I'm glad that Sawyer is in my life and I'm extra glad that um, Max and Darla are in my life. Um, yeah. But on the whole, and, you know, there's amusing things like seeing, oh, there's Frank Welker again. And then seeing Rene Aubergenois after you had already been talking about him a right, bunch right. of times and and seeing the origin of D. Bradley Baker. It's only 70 minutes. It's not that much of a commitment. Oh, no, it's barely a movie. Yeah. Like, I I wonder, did this have a... Hang on a second. I just want to check real quickly here. Da, 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 da. I was just... It doesn't look like it. I was curious if this had some kind of uh, animated feature supporting it. But oh. it doesn't look like it does. Oh, oh. I guess well, nothing to add. For all the doom and gloom, this, you know, like, woe is Mark Dindle. Mm. And... For as much as this was a flop, he went on to direct The Emperor's New Groove. Oh. So, you know, he didn't do too bad. Then he did Chicken Little. But right now he's in pre-production for the next Garfield. <laughs> Starring Chris <laughs> Pratt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, good for him. He did The Emperor's New Groove, which is a tremendous movie. Yeah. Just a tremendous movie. Love that movie. Yeah, he landed on his feet. Yep, like a cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so on the whole, cats don't dance. Eh. Sorry, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, you can watch it if you want. It's, a, it's just, all right. Just watch it and look for Darla and Max and just enjoy them. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, well, I'm glad you humored me in letting me watch this movie after whatever, 23 years. Right, but now we're going to get back to giving each other some assignments. Ah, uh, homework. All right. Well, uh, uh, go ahead. So go ahead. For you, Matsy, mm -hmm. I have a, a couple of two-color process film oldies. Ooh. For the fourth time, I give you a Terry tune. Uh -huh. This one is called Seaside Adventure. Oh, that's a... <laughs> That's tell a you much, noteworthy it? title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the other one is from Fleischer Studios, mm. and it is the Fresh Vegetable Mystery. <laughs> okay, all right, cool. Um, 
I guess I have some something that could work as parallels to those in a way. All right, lay them on me. Let's see. Um, so you had the the fresh vegetable. What was it? Fresh vegetable something. Fresh vegetable mystery. Okay. Uh, well, I have for you a cartoon called The Great Piggy Bank Robbery. Oh, yes. And this okay. one stars Daffy Duck. We've done some Warner Brothers stuff, but it's always been bugs. I don't know right. that we've done a Daffy yet. So take that Daffy. stars Bob, Clamp- Bob Clampett. We've done Bob Clampett, though. Yeah. Anyway. Great, and then you have Seaside Adventure. Okay. Well, I've got one called Trail Mix-Up. Starring oh, okay. Roger Rabbit. Ah, all right. Yeah. All right, all right. Cool, cool. So, yeah, that's what we'll do next time. Yeah. Uh, however, in the meanwhile, please uh, let us know what you think of the show. Uh, let us know what you want us to watch. Actually, I have a real fake tweet again. Ah. Yes. Real it's fake. It's from... Oh, real thick, yeah. It's from Haikyuu Homegirl. It goes, at Drab Swatch, you have a really sexy voice. Oh, that's not bad. Uh, my fursona is a chesty horse chica. If you're ever in Rockford, Illinois, you should come by and check out my resin figure collection. Hashtag Yiffy. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Keep these ones coming. So you, as you heard, you can reach me. At Drab Swatch on Twitter. Yeah, uh, you can reach me at AC Matsy with whatever resin you got. I like watching YouTube videos of people casting things in resin and shaping them into orbs. So, yeah, send me those at AC Matsy. Uh, and <laughs> if any of you survived our review of Cats Don't Dance, here's a Celery Stalker slogan for you. How does the kitty cat go? Mm, meow. <laughs> Very good.